0: Welcome to the third edition of uh, Off the Hook, and I just realized I named everything incorrectly when I put it up, so sorry guys back in the studio, but tonight it's a little different. We've brought back Lenny and Brandon. Tonight, though, we're not going to just talk about bourbon. We're going to talk about some different ways to invest, uh, and and I have to admit Lenny, uh, and we'll start there, Lenny. Let's go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Of course, I'm Randall. Lenny is, I guess, our group's, I guess you are the Johnny Appleseed for cryptocurrency. So <laughs> where, where did you get into cryptocurrency and what got you started in cryptocurrency?
1: So. You know, uh... I got into it through Reddit. Uh, one of our other mutual friends got me on the Reddit, which is don't ever start that addiction. Uh, but uh, I got into cryptocurrency learning on Reddit in about 2016. And I was on the front end of the crypto, the original boom. And um, I was, I guess, unlucky enough that I didn't hit that first boom, but I also wasn't able to. Buy any crypto until the boom subsided. So I didn't buy at the top of the market there, which was a godsend. But uh, I was big into it just because it was interesting. And right when I got into it, it just started taking off. You know, Bitcoin went from basically you know 300 to 20,000 there in that you know its initial span. Um, and I got into it, so I bought some there on the backside. And then, to be honest with you, you, know it kind of just nosedived after there, and I was pretty convinced that I had just bought, you know, a bubble asset and had been hoodwinked by the uh, computer geniuses that uh, developed it. And it pretty much sat dormant in my account for, you know, basically until the last couple of years, and then, or not year, probably a year and a half, and then I started slowly buying more and more uh, as my interest peaked back into it. And uh, it's been quite a profitable little venture for me. Well,
0: you know, the, um, I, and, I'm not, I, and I'm not, you know, I finally topped $1,000. I'm, I'm proud. I, I, I've, I've been doing like, uh, I, when we first started, I said I was going to do a set amount. So I have $50 every week that I, I you know, set aside. It goes into it. For the folks that don't realize how easy to do this, Right I'm doing it through a PayPal account. that should charge you some fees, but that's the only way I got started. So I buy that out and according to which one I think is down at the time, I buy that one. So um I I I've enjoyed it and to be honest with you, I've made money. Um, like a week ago though, I lost a lot of back, but that's kind of part of, part of the market, I think that with crypto, there's gonna be some times. And it seems like about two weeks ago, people panicked and the Dogecoin hit, and then all of a sudden, everybody was selling off their Bitcoin. Did, uh, I'm sure it hit you too a little bit.
1: Yeah, so the way you're doing it now, just putting in 50 bucks when you can, that's a great way to uh, dollar cost average your, uh, your asset there. So no matter what the price is, you're just buying it uh, on a regular interval. Uh, that kind of helps you avoid the uh, manic highs and the manic lows. By trying to time um, when you buy, so that, that's a good uh, good way to do it. And you know, it is an extremely volatile asset. It's it's uh, it's the most volatile asset there is. But I believe as the world continues to become more digital, uh, that that will follow as well. I think we lost Randall there. I don't mean,
2: know. Yeah. i got, sorry. We're a little bit. you good. Uh, are you getting or is it just oh,
1: Randall, you're breaking up on us pretty bad. Or at least me.
2: Yeah, me too. Okay. Okay. Right. Everybody set tight. Stay with us. Stay with us. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask Lenny a couple questions about it. Um, so what do you think about any of the other cryptocurrency networks now, like Ethereum for one? What, what's so, one I own a lot of Ethereum, uh,
1: Bitcoin, XRP, which is Ripple, uh, Chainlink, and uh, a couple other coins that I've taken some dives on. I think Ethereum probably will end up being uh, the one with the most use case uh for what it can do for smart contracts um nfts as we've seen have been a big boom uh bitcoin you know is kind of like the MySpace of the uh, well maybe not MySpace, but it's the first and the loudest you know and um it's definitely held on to its reign and i think it provides a useful store of value uh for uh monetary you know it's anti-inflationary there's only 21 million that'll ever be mined uh so and there's only 18.5 million out there now um in the world. So as the um, they continue to get mined, uh, they become more and more rare. And we just went through a halving, which means every four years, um, the amount of Bitcoin is reduced by half that uh, is rewarded in the mining of it. So when you have uh, through the Bitcoin network, when you have uh, the reward for solving, solving the algorithms uh, and Uh, being the first to solve the uh, equations is uh, what you get in Bitcoin. So every four years, that gets cut in half. Uh, And so we just went through one, which is why you saw that epic run-up, or one of the reasons, in theory, you saw the epic run-up to what it is now. But I think Ethereum will have the most use case uh, moving forward in terms of what it can do.
2: Right. Uh, I mean, essentially, that's like the Internet, right? You know, correct. World, Right. So it's um, I heard it's going to really compete with Amazon um, in the near future, potentially.
1: Yeah, it's got a, a vast majority of other cryptos run off the Ethereum uh, platform and network and design. So you are correct on that. Randall, I think we got you back.
0: Yeah, guys, I'm, I'm, if I drop again, uh, I just looked outside. The uh, Comcast truck is in front of my house of all times i was already working on my line. So it's all good.
2: Honestly,
0: I'm on my sale broadcast right now. So if I get a little choppy, y'all move on without me. So, no but, I but I did hear you about the Ethereum and that's actually where I was going to, I was going to go with this. And it, it are you buying Ethereum now or did I miss that?
1: Yes, I do. I have Ethereum and I do it similar to you now, Randall, as uh, I buy, you know, um Once a week, I set aside some money to buy uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, Those are the two that I'm most heavily invested in. Uh, But yeah, I buy a little bit each week.
0: That's awesome, man. It's been, it works for me um, that I, the way I'm able to do it is I'm able to take the money directly out of my paycheck, send it to a separate account. That account then splits out. And for me, it's a godsend or I'll never do it. It (laughs) then deposits half the money into my daughter's college fund and then half goes into Bitcoin. For me, it's a real easy way. And I've already got now where I'm not used to seeing it in my paycheck. So that that really helps me is you know I I don't expect it to be there. I'm not taking money out of the bank. It's already invested. So um Brandon, have you done much with Bitcoin? And we've got a bunch of folks on man. If y'all got comments, shoot them at us.
2: No, I I haven't yet. I've, you know, I've just been doing a lot of research thus far um, on it and I've got most of my stuff's tied up more in real estate kind of assets than, than that way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it and yeah, I'm looking, looking to definitely do it. Um, I don't know why I'm well, waiting so long, <laughs> but, but uh
0: but I mean, and we've all talked about it. We joke in our little group, but you are a true real estate guy. You flip, you build, you anything to do with real estate? That's kind of how you make your living day
2: in and day out. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, yeah, we're general contractors. So we, you know, obviously we help out a lot of other people, um, as well. Um, doing remodels, additions, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, we, um, we, we definitely look for, uh, real estate investments uh, as far as flipping or potential rental properties as well.
0: Do you see real estate investment as an option for the small investor? I know we, we actually had some talks in our our friends group about maybe doing (coughs) some stuff together. It just seems that that if you are starting new and you have a group that you can put together, it does open some doors for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, essentially your goal in investing in real estate. Um, so you got two options, you know, one, the flip, which is a quick turnaround. Um, it's almost comparable to day trading, if you will. Um, it's a lot shorter term type deal. Um, But then, you know, if you're looking to create some type of passive income to actually build some, you know, a little bit of wealth in your portfolio rentals, the way to go, uh, you know, buy something you don't have to start out big, you know, get something. Well, I mean, it's hard now to find around 150 to 200, but if you can find something in there, um, you know, you buy it, you renovate it, most of the time the bank will loan you the money. Because um, the the renovation value is the will line up to 80% on. Uh, then you can, at that point, once it's renovated, you either refinance it after you get it leased and you know create some type of passive income there. Say, you know your mortgage is going to be a thousand bucks a month on that, uh, and, and your your rental property value um, is looking at around fourteen hundred dollars a month. You know, so you got right. four hundred dollars extra a month that you created in passive income, um, that just that comes in. You know, and you do that a few times. You know, soon you start supplementing your job. My, uh,
0: there's a restaurant I go to every day, and there's a 22 year old kid that works in the restaurant. His parents own the restaurant. He's been working there since he's 14. He bought a trailer park at 21, and uh, to me, he's my hero because it's what he could afford. He got probably 10 rental units out of it. He's not making a killing, but I mean, he's making. It's a start. Uh, four, four figures of passive income. Yeah. So, 21 years old. I mean, I wished. it's never too young it, to start. I guess that's my, point. it
2: doesn't take much, and you know, people are scared to go in debt per se, but there's a, there's such things as good debt and bad debt. And, when you have that kind of turnaround, uh, that's good debt. And, and banks, you know, the more debt you go into, good debt, they're going to loan you more money. Right. You're going to, you know, build a rapport with them uh, as well. So, so, but you definitely, if you if you start doing more than one, even if you do one, just for tax purposes, I would recommend creating an LLC. Super easy to do. Um, you can do it on you know, um, there's so, several websites you can even do it on, uh, or you know, of course, call Legal
0: LegalZoom three hundred ninety-five dollars. Riverside Media <laughs> is the exactly,
2: so I, exactly I
0: less than five hundred dollars. Hey, and guess
2: what? Back. It's a tax write-off. Yeah, right? I'm going to uh, make
0: that back, and just these things I find that I can write off of my taxes.
2: So well, that's uh, that's the difference, different. you know, having even if it's. A small LLC, and you don't do much. But having an actual business provides you so much better tax advantages. Um, right, and it, you know that that's where you you kind of start messing up if you don't, uh, because you you know you get taxed on on income when when actually there's so many depreciations and losses you can take, um, even though you you still have a positive cash flow. Um, you're you actually get to write off more than what your actual positive, ask, you know, cash flow is. Um, so then, Correct. then you're you're actually applying those write-offs to your your W-2s, you know. So um, it it's beneficial for sure. You start an LLC if if you go that route.
0: Lenny, I I often say, and I don't know if you even know it, but your nickname uh, in our little group chat when I'm not talking to you is Gordon Gecko. So <laughs> I, I, I always, I'm referring to you as, but I mean, that's a compliment to me from me, man, because you, you seem to research heavily investments. Do you have, well, first of all, let's go back. Have you done any real
1: estate? Yeah, I have a, a rental property here in Nashville uh, and uh, well, it's great. Yep, I wish I could get another, you know, kind of what Chain reiterated. Uh, it's a difficult time now. We're at some all-time highs. Uh, but, you know, I think it is, like he said, it, it's a good debt you can have. And if people are afraid to go into debt for sure because uh, it can be scary to put yourself out there financially. But it's also a uh, it's an asset that can be sold relatively quickly and potentially you won't lose your shirt on, you know, let's say you buy a house that you speculate that you can rent out for a thousand bucks. Okay. You lose your job or something happens. You have to get that money back. You know, that's a relatively fast asset you can sell again and probably break even on, uh, to be honest. So, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, a compliment to everybody in this, and we do have an eclectic group, but you know, when I see, that the, uh, you know, Chris criminal, we call him. And then myself, uh, almost everybody has started investing in something. And again, I'm in my fifties, but I have an 11 year old daughter. My investment goal is to give her a chance to go to school and not walk out with a bunch of debt like I did. So it's, to me, it was defining a goal do you find it helps you both to say, Hey, I would like to buy a new car in six years, but I'm going to do this plan. Or do you, is is it when it goes into investment, it stays there.
1: So uh, I do a couple of different things. So uh, I kind of keep myself hungry in the sense that I never let uh, too much money be in my bank account. I automatically invest it. So then I look at my bank account and I say, well, I don't have any money there. Uh so I can't go do these things. But I try to shift money over to my investment as soon as possible. And I think it's uh, you know, a lot of people say time in the market versus timing the market. So the sooner you can start the better. And even if you start with something simple where you just buy, you know, a typical S P five hundred which just tracks the general market, you know, look what we historically have done. Granted we're in the bull market now, but you know, it averages eight to 10%. You can't hardly beat that, in my opinion, you know. Um, but, I try to do a little of all those things you just being too
2: random. Yeah, I think well, you got to um goals. I mean, it, it just, it's human nature. It helps, you know, almost climb the ladder, if you will. Like, you got to, got to set goals and, and aspire to them. You know, try, try and, and make it happen. And I I think if the tricky thing is I I wouldn't set them too low because sometimes you take them for granted and you know, you're just like, ah, whatever, Uh, that's easy to get. I can do that whenever. Um, But like Lenny said, you know, keeping yourself hungry, uh, is a big part of it. Um, and you know, hiding your money kind of in, in, in investments, um, you know, definitely up that. That's that's the track to building wealth.
0: Well, and I, I'll I'll admit that, you know, I was, uh, for multiple reasons, I got behind the curve. But I, what I set out as a plan to invest, I find I'm able to overinvest. I'm going to be honest. My plan was maybe to get five hundred dollars a month across the board in my investments. I've been able to do probably a thousand a month which is more than I ever dreamed I could. But one of the tricks for me was exactly what you said. Uh, I get paid every two weeks and I know I can live off what I make. If there's $500 in my account at the end of that two weeks, I go buy something. Um, In the stock market, I was advised by a couple of you guys to keep it simple. And I do, I stay, I have one stock that I kind of researched myself, but I mean, I stay with, I'm buying Twitter, Apple, GM, pretty standard. You know, uh, there's a insurance company I bought some that Lenny recommended me to get. Um, do you find that, that that's actually a good investment strategy for a beginner? Just buy the companies you know that's going to return. I bought some Amazon, you know, I just almost run-of-the-mill stuff
1: those are great uh, blue chip stocks and they're they're not dissimilar from what we were talking about real estate earlier where they hold their value very well and if something does happen you can cash those out and you most never likely will lose money and if you hold them long enough you know they will make you a, a good deal of money um and you can't go wrong with those blue chip stocks
2: yeah i, I totally agree um like i said it- for me, it's more on the, the real estate side of things, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's always always going to turn around, the housing industry and, and the market. I mean, it, you know, history shows that we're going to have dips, but it always comes back.
0: Our boy Chappy, uh he's following in with, uh, Eli Lilly has done quite well for him, so I don't know that one. Maybe I need to look it up and...
1: See it. Yeah, a big farm, uh, pharmaceutical company. You know uh, Johnson and Johnson, Merck. Yeah. Uh, you know that's one of the big boys out there. Probably I don't own any of it, but I'm sure it's a great investment and a great store value as well. All
0: right, guys, I'm not going to get off the investment thing. Believe it or not, it really has. I found myself the other night turning the TV off and reading uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal online. <laughs> and and again, it's, uh, I give y'all all all the credit. I think when I got my first thousand dollars in my Robinhood account, I sent it to the group text Like, man, I just, just can't believe I did this. So here, um, alternative investments. Now, when we talk about that, there's something that I have done. And for years I've collected what I considered rare sports memorabilia. And, and I do have quite a collection. Um, and I've, Took a bath in it. I've sold some of it, but it's so volatile. Do you find, like, even collecting cars? Some people do that, you know, any kind of collection. You really need to be an expert on that field to get into it. Have you ever tried antiques or anything like that? You guys,
1: uh, I have not. Uh, I see a lot of people, you know, doing, I, I feel like, uh, some of the collectible items with cards have come back around kind of a uh, full circle now, it seems like, from at least what i see online. But in terms of, you know, antiques like watches, uh, you know, classic Watch. cars, uh, furniture, stuff like that. I don't have any of that. Um, it just doesn't it's outside of my field of knowledge. And uh, I would be hesitant to uh, throw money at something I'm not terribly familiar with.
0: So to give you an example how bad cards crashed in 2007, I made probably $11,000 or $12,000 off of eBay selling cards. Wow. And I probably had I probably had that amount in my possession at that time. The bottom fell so badly that that $12,000 of cards had been sitting in my closet. And mm-hmm. if I'd have sold them in the last 13 years, I would have lost a lot of money they're back to probably the, that level that I could profit a little bit, but it's a chance. Um, is there anything that, is there anything that you've ever thought about investing Brandon in, um, that's not run of the mill? I mean, we going to go um, and start buying the bottles of popular so, <laughs> week
2: No, I mean, I, I've got some, you know, some nice bourbons that, that are somewhat collectors, but, um, when I was a kid, I, I did the sports memorabilia and I was really big into baseball cards. Um, yeah. But it, it, as of you know, late, I have not, um, like Lenny said, I, I've spent more time um, kind of my lane, staying in my lane um, of, of what I know. Right. Um, I'm looking for But at the same time, I think, um, I think I watched Gary V speak on this, but. Uh, Gary V is the, he's the reason the
0: industry's back.
2: Yeah. He's literally. And and I think he was talking too about, you know, how blockchain um, can really change in the, in the digital world. Like if if you can buy, you know, for instance, a card as as a digital uh, photo and throw it up on a, on a frame on your wall or something like that, uh, you know, the means to get something that way through the blockchain or, or crypto um, could change things. Um, Absolutely. You know, so I, I think it kind of really ties into everything we're talking about. What caused that uh, collapse in the card prices, Ringle? Do what? I said, what caused the collapse in card
1: prices?
0: Uh you know, it's happened twice to me. One time was in the uh, uh, the nineties, in the card companies in the nineties just overproduced and um if there was and the the big thing back then was Ken griffey jr's rookie year i remember I bought probably 500 of them at 10 and 15 dollars well and everybody thought well, well i'm gonna make a fortune and he did have a great career but what we found out is it's scarcity just like everything else And there was a thousand guys like me that had 500 of them stored back and there was another 10,000 out in unopened packs. And it really, it just, it killed the market and it died for several years. Now the market came back in 2005, six, seven, it started picking up again, but it's really associated with more memorabilia. I was going to see if I can get this up. This is, this is something I picked up. Um, as you can see it, and and everybody knows I'm a Tennessee fan, and uh, I am I picked it up. It's about a $79 card at the time, but that top player at the time, it was a Josh Dobbs, Josh Malone, and Alvin Kamara. Well, as we all know, Alvin Kamara has become a superstar, and my $79 purchase now is worth about $600. Okay. Now, I don't know if that ever leaves my personal collection, you know, right. but – I've told my daughter when I die, she's at least sure of getting my sports memorabilia. But I've really enjoyed that. Uh, about, I've been buying Freddie Freeman's and Ronald Acuna's. And I think it's the same thing that you guys talked about. Don't be too spectively. If you want to buy cards, buy people you know that are solid, right? You don't buy, you know, go buy Patrick Mahomes. His cards are not going to go down unless you think Patrick McCombs is going to fall or flop. Uh, I'm not really crazy about running out and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on Trevor Lawrence cards before I ever see Trevor Lawrence play, you know? So I might be late to the game somehow. Um, And I'll be honest, uh, the greatest, probably, probably the most valuable investment I have right now, guys, is I bought um, a slew of Aaron Rodgers cards when he was sitting on the bench and green bay and not playing and i've never sold one of them so i actually pulled them out to send to beckett because it's all conditioned and um i think it's time to sell them but i'm going to sell them and flip them into some kind of stock market investment or some crypto coin but i don't i don't i don't know that aaron Rodgers is going to get any better than he is right now so
1: you know, I see a lot of, uh, I feel like uh, Pokemon cards, some of the super rare ones. I hear those things going for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it just blows my mind. I, I never got into that as a, as a kid. But you hear about that now that these people are spending buku money on that. It's kind of yeah. mind boggling. And, and, well,
0: and I, I, I know I had a great one. Go ahead, Grant. It's all
2: right. I, I'm curious. So, so I assume, and I, I'm a little you know, dumb on this subject, but I assume there are two types of collectors. One, one that collects, um, you know, their favorite players that that's n- never going to sell, you know, within, you know, the, the 10, 20 years, uh, yeah. That uh, bought it and it and, really enjoying it.
0: Yeah,
2: and I, then there's, yeah. there's those flippers that, yeah. that look for the rare stuff. um, Cause I know in the bourbon world, there, there are those two types, people that drink their stuff and people that, that flip it. Um, and it, you know, as a kid, like my favorite player was Nolan Ryan. I think I still have a little over 400 Nolan Ryan cards. Um, yeah. Don't have the rookie card. That was the only one I could never get, but pretty much every other card they made of Nolan Ryan I have. Um, but those, it, again, they're, your long-
0: they're sitting in my attic. Those are your long-term investments in sports collectibles. But you right. know Nolan Ryan is going to be Nolan Ryan till forever now. Um, I don't spend a lot of money on it. I'm very careful with what I buy because, to be honest with you, I took a bath and I'm I'm scared of it now. But I feel good about buying Freddie Freeman rookie cards. That's and, and two, it's condition. You know Gary B recently broke a record of. He bought a Mike Trout card, like a 2009 Mount Trout, for like a half million dollars. And, and, and I think that one act changed sports collectibles forever because yeah. a guy like Gary Vee saw the value of it. It was a one-of-one one autographed in perfect ten condition. He spent the money, and I think he flipped it about four years later for $2.2 million. So... It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, And I'm going to go. Yeah. We'll get off the sports. I'm going to go one other place that I I, I think we can talk about. And then we'll get into whatever you guys want to talk about. And I, and and Brandon, this is in your wheelhouse It's the, I have had a basement for six years. I was going to finish. Well, I'm getting a bonus next month at work and I, I want it to, you know, and it's a couple thousand dollars. It's, it's my standard yearly bonus. And I was going to finish, I thought about finishing my basement. And I had a quote from a guy. And I called him. I was like, hey, dude, I'm um, thinking about finishing my basement. Could you still frame it in? And he goes, no. And I went, what do you mean, no? You just gave me this quote six months ago. He said, my materials are five times now, Randall, what they were. Are materials really exploding that bad right now, Brandon? And oh, does that gosh. make even more scarcity in the housing market?
2: For sure. You know, the whole COVID thing, they put a lot of the factories and production out of work. They were were quarter-staffed or even less on some occasions. And, you know, you saw lumber go from somewhere around 300, 330 per 1,000 board feet or per 100 board feet, whatever it is, to it's well over a 1,000, you know, per 100 board feet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I... I quoted a house for a guy I'm building another house for a guy, and relatively same to to mine um square footage wise and I mean his was two and a half times what my lumber package was so i mean it's it's insane um you know and and not just lumber that that's the i think the forefront of it but there there's several other you know all all of the commodities are are, are skyrocketing right now because the, the de- demand's so high uh, yeah. we just can't keep up
0: well my my lumber package that he quoted me about 11 months ago went up it wasn't quite two and a half times but it's about double oh yeah i was like wow man i had no ideal so
2: yeah, uh, yeah i guess that,
0: that means it's a a good time to invest in property, but maybe a bad time to build. Is that what we're looking at?
2: So it, it's a catch 22 cause money's cheap right now. Um, right. cheapest cheapest. It's been in, I don't know, a long, long time. Um, and everybody knows that. So you can afford, you know, two, two times what you could afford, you know, right. eight years ago, 10 years ago. So, and that, that's where you're getting this, this buy up of, of houses and people, you know, you got more people buying houses right now than probably in the history. Um, And you just can't, you can't slow it down. And builders and developers cannot keep up with the market, nor can, you know, the vendors. Um, And it's, it's going to be solved. And I think what's going to happen, uh, You know, once the interest rates hike back up, it's going to put a halt to things and there'll be a a slow slow down for sure. um, And um, people won't be jumping around quite as much.
0: So that's a good question. And, and, And this is a question that just begs to be asked. And Lenny, I'm going to put this on to you. I feel like, you know, and this is not getting into politics, you know. We avoid politics, we'll talk about girls, sports, how to make money, but we kind of avoid it. But when interest rates get move up and we get into kind of an inflation situation, which I think, and and it doesn't matter who's in office, inflations are going to come, it's going to be secular. You know, um, what do you do with your money during uh, a situation where you have interest rates rising? do you intentionally try to get your money out into the market more? Um, because it, it makes sense to me that if we're living with inflation, the only hedge we've got is maybe the stock market or crypto. Is that is that what people do or do you?
1: You're already seeing it, Randall. You're already seeing it. Uh, in okay. my opinion, you're already seeing that happen with people who are hedging against the upcoming inflation. You know, like you said, irrespective of politics, you know, we pr- printed 24% of our currency in 2020. So we have, we have increased increased our uh, inflation greatly and we haven't seen, or we're starting to see some side effects of it. You know, in my opinion, you go to the grocery store, it's way more expensive than I ever remember. seems like it's yeah. going rapidly up, but I think you've seen that already in the housing market where people are saying, Hey, money's cheap right now. Uh, Traditionally, real estate has been a great hedge against inflation because your money's in the market and it's not affected as much. And what you're seeing in the stock market, too, is already part of it because you're seeing people inflate these stocks that are beyond their worth uh, just because it's a place to put your money that is not uh, affected by inflation. So I think you're going to it's creating a bubble in the stock market and probably maybe not in the housing market, because I believe that Brandon's right. It is a supply and demand issue on one side uh, that builders can't just keep up with in in the hot areas, you know, middle Tennessee, they can't keep up with the supply side uh, of what's going on. But I think it is starting to become unsustainable where you have people that have lived here their whole lives that can't afford, you know, what, four years ago it was a $300,000 house. Now it's 550, you know, they're priced out of that. So it becomes a little bit of a speculative bubble in that in my opinion.
2: Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I mean, I think you're going to see people that are in those houses that, you know, bought at the top of the market, just like, just like the stock market, they're going to see a massive upside down when the, when the bubble does burst. Um yep. You know that's why. Like if you're doing a real estate investment, uh, not necessarily your house. Because if you're living in your house, I mean you haven't lost any money. Just like stock market, you haven't lost any money until you sell. Right. Don't don't sell. Right. You know you hold on to it. Um, it's gonna come back. You just you know, uh, you're lucky you got that low interest rate, so you don't even have to worry about it. You know, don't lose sleep. But you know, on an investment, when you when you paid three hundred thousand for a house. Um, it gets a little bit tougher for you, um, you know, especially if you're doing a flip or, or something on, on more of a short short term deal or you need to cash out and need your money. That that's when you can really, you know, take a bath or, or something of that nature. So just be be leery of that. That's why I like to try and stay in the, you know, the national median range of that 200, 250, um, even 100,000. I don't like to get into the real expensive uh real estates for flips or anything like that because if you get caught when it does burst I mean you're you're in trouble.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: Do you do both of you with what we're seeing coming with inflation and again are you going to, uh, cause I I have a car uh I have it a good interest rate it's got 75,000 miles on it with what's coming and I expect an interest rate, the way in my head, I keep this car and I drive it until it does burst and it does turn the other way. You try to eliminate disposable income and and, and big purchases outside of the house market during an inflation period, not the time to go buy $3,000 worth of stereo equipment at 19%, right?
2: Exactly. It, it goes yep. back to what I was saying uh, with good debt, bad debt you know, um, cars are, are, fun. Cars are nice. Um, but they're, 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 they're not an investment at all, but unless, you know, to get you to point A to point B. So you gotta be somewhat, you know, conscious of your purchase on that. But just because you can't afford, you know, a $80,000 Range Rover right now, it's probably not the smartest decision. Um, when you could, Buy a thirty thousand dollar car and and put put some more money in into the stock market or or a down payment on a on a rental property.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm cheap guys. I I'm like that twelve thousand
2: dollar range is good or whatever. I was just using numbers, you know. <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't have a G wagon, guys. I swear, I don't. Yeah, we know Nor do I. Got, I've got, got an 100%. old
2: old Dodge Ram. So uh, I've never been been one to spend a lot of money on, on cars just because I know it's a appreciating asset and in my industry, I mean, it's a work truck for me. So, right. um, like my, uh, I don't know if you guys remember my red Dodge. I had that thing. Yeah. I bought it brand new, um, at a, at a low point in the market and first new car I ever bought. And I had that thing for 13 years. I had like 200 and something thousand miles on it. I mean, literally I was, clunking into the dealership to get a new one so um, <laughs> yeah, I had to be yeah well you know could i afforded a new car yeah sure but no reason to at that point
0: Agreed. it's incredible how many views we've had on this it's really a subject that we have to remember this we might have to make this a monthly feature randall with money nobody ever thought that that would occur all right guys hey. i am I am going to slide a little bit away from money here. We got about twenty more minutes, and uh, and, and this is a really good time. I'm going to go buy some more Bitcoin as soon as this is over with. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: it's been a great talk, and I think it's up like I another have,
2: twelve or fifteen hundred today. Yeah, I have, higher. I have, are you aftermarket right now? Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was I was listening to you. Yeah, it it came up this market today. Go ahead, Randall. Sorry.
0: I have one question that's for you, Brandon, from a listener up in Knoxville. He said, it's a friend of mine. He said he's been in his house for 15 years. He owes about 120 on it. Yep. Um, he, he's, he, and I know he does. He has a daughter my age. It appraised recently for about $250. Okay. Uh, he's thinking about selling to take some profit off the top. He's, his question though is to you, if he sells and makes some profit, is he just eating that profit up to get in another new home? Should he find a home first? What would be, if he was gonna do this to try to make a little money, I've advised him to find a home first that he can afford. What, what do you think you would go about doing it?
2: I would definitely try and find a home first and um, have a contingency offer put in as to, you know, the sale of, of your house um but you can also, you know, if you like the house right now, the problem is, you know, if you do sell right now unless you're going to find something lower that needs work or something like that, I mean, he you're going to Yeah, you're going to take all your profit and put it right back in to a house to so you got to be careful cuz you could get back upside down when the when the bubble does burst. You okay. know, then then you're back to square one. um even though your your interest rate's great, is if you plan on being there for a while, that that's fine. Because like I said, money is cheaper. But you could also do a HELOC or uh, a cash out refi, something like that, to where you can take that income and put it into another investment property um, as well. And you know, I don't believe you get taxed on the cash out refi if you reinvest it. But I I have to be checked on that. I'm not 100%. Right. If you put into another uh,
1: real estate, you're protected on that those uh gains.
2: Yeah.
0: So I guess in layman's terms, he he cashes out a hundred grand that he's got in equity, buys another house, and now he has one mortgage on his original home.
2: Could buy the second house, and then flip yeah. it. You got a down payment, yes. and then rent yep. one. And that creates a passive cash flow. Okay, I follow um, you. I don't think he's ever thought about
0: that. To be honest with you, it was kind of
2: Yeah. So, you know, that, that's the first step. And then, then I would create an LLC, um, refi, sell that to your LLC, whatever. Um, and and then you're in good shape. Okay. And I'll, uh, I'll tell you, getting an LLC started
0: is a big advantage. i didn't realize for sure. All right, guys. So we're going to jump off of, um, we're going to jump off of, of, of money for just a minute. And so, Wednesday or Thursday night, we're going to have the NFL draft and coming up here in just two minutes, Raj and Robbie are going to talk about a little bit about the NFL draft. And then Thursday, there's going to be a lot of NFL draft talk. I got a different subject in the NFL draft for you two than those job bronies at 730. <laughs> what? Lenny. What? happens to all the players surrounding trevor lawrence this year once he's on the jacksonville jaguars and you have urban meyer are you a buyer or seller in the overall production of the jacksonville jaguars offense from a fantasy spec perspective only is it going to hurt james robinson is it going to help Lavisca's? because an note, what is the fantasy impact of trevor lawrence
1: you know, it's, it's very. Go
0: Two-time champ, Lenny. Let me say that. Two-time
1: yeah. champ, Lenny. Uh, it's two-time. It's back-to-back, back, but a three-time overall. So let's just get the the record right. Um, okay, we got got
0: the smack talk it, all
1: right. It's very difficult to come in year one as a quarterback and have a, a dramatic impact. Uh, it, statistically speaking, it almost never happens. Uh, sometimes you catch, you know, lightning in a, a bottle, so to speak, and it happens, but. It's just very—it's a—you know—the game speeds up even more for those guys, and you know, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback, and I think he's probably got all the skills um, to help him succeed. It's just a difficult thing to forecast. I, I would think they go down before they go up, you know, um, but that's just me. Um, I'm skeptical until I see it as a person, and so I kind of believe that about Trevor and uh, the Jags. So, and it'll be Urban's first time in the NFL, if I'm not wrong, as a head coach. So that that's a whole nother hurdle uh, to jump through as well, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, So if we had James Robinson as, and you know, James Robinson had a great year. If you had James Robinson as a mid-second rounder going into the year, maybe he moves back to a late second rounder. It's not that these guys won't be valuable. I just think their value has decreased. Do you think that way, James?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, back to the first question, I think, you know, Urban comes from college and, and his kind of MO is somewhat systematic um, in college. So I'm anxious to see how that um, transpires to the NFL or if he hires the proper people around him That's or hired the proper people around him that's going to get him out of that mindset. Um because he's always liked his his running quarterbacks, not necessarily the guys that can pass. And typically in the NFL, you've got to have a pretty good arm and or, or at least pretty good accuracy um, to bode well. So, for me, I would probably um, I'd probably not buy at this point on that, especially uh, fantasy wise. You know, if I get something late in the the rounds, I, I would I would definitely jump on it but um, one of the top quarterbacks off the board absolutely not well
0: I thought I was going to have to mute you for a second because you were going to ask my next question I was like stop before (laughs) you answer it how long is it going to take Urban Meyer or will I mean I I hate Urban Meyer I can't I mean you can't be at two worse goals for my fandom than (laughs) you know You've been at Florida and Ohio State. I mean, I I, I would just, dis- I would despise Urban Meyer if he was my brother, you know. <laughs> but the cat can coach, and I mean, he's won everywhere. How long does it take Urban Meyer to learn the NFL game? And do you think there's any realm of possibility that he flops like Saban did in the NFL?
2: It's certainly not out of possibility. Um, I mean, a lot of college coaches have tried to make that transition and just don't succeed. I mean, true. College is all about recruiting, right? Um, You get the right players there. um, Surround yourself with a good staff. Um, Or if you've got a good system, you know, Chip Kelly, Urban Meyer, those are some of the systematic guys that have been in college that have have produced well. They've drafted or not drafted, but um, recruited the right players to that system. Um, but yeah, that that also comes down to coaching. So can he adapt? I think he definitely can. Um, I would I would say within three years, if he if he hasn't adapted, I, I'd say he's probably not going to. Um, but I, I would give him. I'd give him two years, and I, I think he, he'll be competitive.
0: So, Lenny, Urban Meyer's coaching career is coming on IPO tomorrow. Are you buying <laughs> it, or are you selling it?
1: I'm selling it. You know, I think there's so much going around with uh, the Jags. You know, I, I like the owner, Sadiq Khan. Uh, he's got deep pockets and seems to be willing to do whatever it needs. Uh, so are they he's going to a family, completely he does. It, it, is he? Are they going to London at some point? You know what's the deal there? And you know the Jags fan base—they're awful. Uh, you know, even when they had that run, I guess it's been uh, what three years ago uh, when they uh, went to the uh, AFC Championship—or excuse me, yeah—they make it that far. Yeah, they
0: went to the, ch- yeah. yeah. to the
1: championship game. I did. I mean, I'm not sure that they ever were—you know—a sellout stadium kind of place. You know, rabid, but. I think there's just too much going on with that kind of fan base. And, you know, I, I wouldn't touch it.
0: And the Khan family, uh, Seed's youngest son or oldest son, Tony, has started the AEW to, conven- to compete with Vince McMahon. Yep. That family is certainly willing to spend money. Uh, and they own, I, I forget, they own uh, Manchester. They don't own Manchester United, but they own one of the major soccer clubs in Europe. Um, So, yeah, it seems like a great sports family. Now, I'm going to get a little closer to home with this one. Uh, Atlanta seems to be falling in love with Arthur Smith really fast. He says the right things. He does the right things. And I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know he was Fred Smith's son until the day he took the Falcons job. What did the Falcons get? And Arthur Smith, because I, I'm telling you, I'm in love with the guy so far.
1: Well, I think you got a great play caller. Uh, he schemes as well as anybody in the NFL, and creates really unique packages and takes advantage really of what uh, the talent he has on field. You know, it seems like he's one of those play callers. Um, it seems like everything he does, you know, usually works. He usually is a, a plus yard situation. Uh, if not a big chunk of yards, you know, it seems like he puts together a pretty good, um, at least here in Tennessee, you know, we had the, a good run pass option, you know, hitting him up with the uh, play action after we, we pound him to death. Um, but it seems like he put together, you know, some great schemes and even, you know, some sneaky stuff too, you know, some uh, some stuff that caught you off guard.
2: Yeah, I, I agree there. And I also think he's, you know, he's one of the new up and coming Coaches, um, he worked his way through the ranks. Obviously, here in Tennessee, um, I think he's such a great in-game manager. Um, I, I really do. He he really feels the flow of the game. Um, he he changes. He's he's not stubborn uh, to stick with with just the initial game plan. Um, and I think I think you guys got a good one in, in Arthur.
0: Well, in the in the first press conference he yeah. had. I, I was listening because I wanted to hear him say something like, you know, I had a great offense, but I also had Derrick Henry. And one of his first press conference, he goes, I had a great offense, but I had Derrick Henry. Um, And I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'm the biggest Derrick Henry fan or not, but he's won me over. How good is Derrick Henry?
1: Man, he's incredible. Uh, I'm. I was always a big of a. You know, of course, being a Tennessee fan, I always hated anybody who came from Alabama. And he came time, so you can't you can't help but recognize that he's extremely talented. Uh, but people do forget. You know, he he came within a frog hair of getting bounced from the league. You know, uh, it took eight years to sit him down and say, "Hey, you got to start running." You know, like you're capable of. Uh, those first couple of years in Tennessee, he didn't do anything. Um, and then he found whatever seems to be working for him uh and it's just uh gone off uh gone off with it i'm still skeptical he's a huge running back you know it seems like he's prone for a knee injury at some point but you know what, he's proving me wrong
2: yeah I, I mean i love him he's phenomenal i was skeptics at first uh, we, we traded up to get him and uh, you know i was thinking of another you know alabama heisman running back that's that's gonna just kind of fizzle out in the nfl uh, he i mean he was i don't know how many runs he averaged in 40 50 runs a game in alabama i mean he was just Work carrying a load and yeah. to take that that punishment um and then in the nfl but then then you got to look at the guy i mean he's one of the hardest working players in the NFL. I mean, he works on his craft so well. Um, he prepares his body. Um, but one of the other things has always gotten me is he, he kind of runs straight up, you know, and for a guy that big, you, like you said, you just feel like an ACL is coming with a helmet at, at any point. And he just continues to stiff arm people right out of his way. So, uh, he's, He's hey, I'm all, I'm all in, man. Um, you know how how many years he's got left? I hope we get three more good ones out of him, but you know who who knows. Let
1: me ask a question: Would you give him a, a big max contract, or, or are you of the mindset, hey, you know, let uh, cut him and let's see what we can do out there?
2: I mean, you know, I as a fan, I, I'm I'm all about paying paying the guy the money. Um, and and as players, too, uh, you know, you do what you can. You get paid. You know, this is your job. This is not too many people have a lot of stuff after football. Um, they'll start doing some investment things or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, you get your money while you can. And I'm, I'm all for any of, of the top players that bring the fans to the seats to get their money. So, I have no problem. You think it's head, Chris Johnson repeat? no I don't think so uh, he's a different type of back uh,
0: let me tell you I think when I hear him speak and, and I was a Chris Johnson fan uh, little known fact for years when I worked for Sprint we uh we you turned over the second page of the the handout or the uh, program was a sprint ad so we did a lot of business through the Titans and went to a lot of games. When I hear Derrick Henry talk, I, I I just respect him. And he just sounds like a guy that's got a pretty good set of values. So um I, I think I think you you know, we're facing right now does Atlanta trade Julio Jones. And I you know, for Julio's sake, I kinda wish they would. I I wish they would stick him in New England or somewhere that he could win a, a title. He's not going to do it in Atlanta the next five years. It's definitely a rebuild. So all right, last question, guys, and we'll get off of here again. Lenny and Brandon have kind of become my rotating guest here. We always have good talks. You never, this was off the cuff, dude. Yeah. You know, it just, it was kind of like last minute. Um, hey, this is what we're going to talk about. And uh, we are going to keep this going. I think we've got some stuff in development. Um, really, I think we're going to probably see a full time show as we get closer to football season and we can spend a little more time on football. Um, So you know, Brendan and Lenny's gonna be part of River City Media for a long time. But that being said, you are right now, I'm firing you. You're not a developer. Lenny, you're not into Bitcoin. You are the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) You have a first round pick to make for the Titans. Not necessarily who are you picking even who you're picking is fine, but what are you doing to improve your football team?
1: I think you got to go. I draft from points of need, or at least that's the way I think I would do it. Let me make I a note of that. I think you got to go defense, you know. Uh, that seems to be our Achilles heel, uh, especially something in the secondary. You know, we got torched a lot, uh, put our corners on islands that weren't able to do it, uh, and, you know, we paid the price for it. Um, so I think I would probably look at cornerback or some kind of a secondary piece there. It,
0: I've been doing a mock draft for a website, and I do have them taking, I think, a high-value corner that falls to them. And I think that could possibly be Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. But that was that was my number one uh, area of need for them. But, Brandon, how about you, buddy?
2: Yeah, totally. I think number one on the board's cornerback. I mean, we've you know, depleted that that um value there so you know how they do it i, I have no idea but you know if if it's not there or if they don't like a guy on their board uh, you know you look at an edge rusher or some something of that nature which we were desperate uh for um i you know i think you got to keep it still best player on the board but within the scope of your needs i I think, Um, I don't think you just go all out best player on the board. Um, So I I would try and keep it definitely on the defensive side, but those two, you know, cornerback, secondary, or or Ed's rusher uh, being the top priorities.
0: Do you think, um, and I said last question, but I got one more because it's bothered me. Uh, With losing Corey Davis to free agency, losing Janu Smith to free agency, are they enough weapons for Tannehill to – I mean they have some nice pieces still at receiver with Brown and such. And I think didn't the uh, didn't the second string running back leave via free agency too? Do you yeah do you later in the draft need to add some offensive
1: pieces too? I totally think so. Yeah, those two uh, weapons that you just mentioned, and Johnu and uh, Corey, you know, those are great little uh pieces that we hit for fifty yard you know, bombs here and there, and, you know, they leak out after pass protection or catch something unique and run with it. It's extremely physical and extremely talented uh, pass catchers. Those was hard
2: to replace. And yeah, New I think – um, sorry, Randall. Go ahead. New England
0: wrote Janu a big, big, big check. He's
2: like, they're
0: they franchising. This is the guy at tight end.
2: See, I, I thought he was, you know, one of the better athletes on the field for sure. But, I, you know, it, it just always seemed like Ferkser got more catches and more touchdown looks than Jonu did. Um, and, you know, we kept him on board. Uh, you know, I still think we can utilize him in the red zone um, as we're, you know, getting someone new and developed in, in that position. Because uh, I, I don't, you know, outside of maybe four or five times, I don't really remember Jonu making – a huge impact play down the field, you know, more than five or 10 yards, yeah. um, which Fergster is more than capable of doing. Um, Corey Davis, I think hurts a little bit more. He was kind of the, the B to the a, AB selection there. Um, so, you know, I think it's something we got to work through. I don't know if they, they find someone late in the draft that can help accommodate Antonio, but um We'll see.
0: Hey, and, and is – I meant to ask this a little bit before. Um, is Taylor LeMond's health as important as anything that happens to the Titans in the offseason? I mean, because after he got hurt last year, I don't know if they were the same team.
1: I think he's definitely an emotional leader on the team. He brings uh, some of that nastiness and um, – I think he's a good player, uh, but I think he's more probably of a uh, a rallying point for our team. You know, he's going to be the first one in the dog pile, you know, busting it up, uh, which is a a valuable asset on a team.
2: He so. is. He's just got to stay healthy. He just, you know, the last two two seasons, he's missed quite a few games, and, you know, it's really hurt our our run, if you will, you know, yeah. In the um, So... You know he's definitely a valuable piece, you know he's gotten paid um now we we need a little bit of production out of him for sure before,
0: and he may uh, be my favorite Titan because I like that nasty I love
2: it, I, I mean, love he, that yeah, he
0: is the kind of guy you he'll grab your face you, wanna, you face want face. a
2: dog out there on your side, yeah. especially especially on the offensive line
0: yeah. I
2: guarantee derek henry is is a big fan as well,
0: yeah, I bet you Henry buys him a few rollies here and there. <laughs> Guys, it's been a lot of fun. We'll be back in a uh, – let's try to run this back in like two weeks or something Yeah, and give ourselves some time to come up with a subject. Maybe the draft and review would be a good thing because we'll have it and we'll know, and maybe sure. we'll do a, a fancy football preview after we know where everybody lands or something. But it was a good show. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody, I'll be back in a half hour with the other two. Uh, that that They're, they're not going to do as good as y'all did, but we won't tell them that. They're probably watching. There's two people watching right now. One of them's Roger and one of them's Robbie. It went up to four. Allison just tuned in. So <laughs> we appreciate you joining us. It's a great show.
1: Thank you, Randall.
0: For Randall yeah, for thanks us. for having us. Hey, anytime, man. I love it. I, lo- I love the investment part of this. This was fun. Um, thank you, Randall. Thank y'all, and I'll be back in about a half hour.
1: See, <laughs> you. See you, man.
0: Yeah. See you, brother.